Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast, where if you predicted that Kevin Gladney could be an okay wide receiver, you have to live with that prediction in perpetuity. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Jerk, and Brian Christofferson. I'm not a jerk. I didn't say anything about it. That seems very random. I Well, um... You got beef? Is that what you got? Uh, a little bit. I, I can, I you, can come you, up with some hills in a short amount of time that you have died on. Yeah, I've died on some pretty embarrassing hills. In, including a hill for the basketball team that yeah. has just taken over the name. But yeah, I, Brian has no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. which is usually the best way these shows start. I died on Nick Fuller Hill. Oh, you thought he was going to be like a yeah. second-team All-Big Ten guy or something? But it wasn't like at the start. It was, no, You it talked was yourself into like... The rejuvenation project, <laughs> and it didn't get off the ground. You thought no. he had some grit? He had a solid season, senior season at South Dakota. He's kind of a gym rat. He did. He had a, he had a good yeah. season there. Yeah. At the level that he probably right. should have been playing yeah. so, all along. That, uh, yeah, that's my, my... We all have our crosses oh, you could do a whole. that's mine. You could do like... A whole summer of shows, which we might just end up doing. Yep. On guys that we predicted were going to be pretty good, and the first never... time I get a quarterback right would be, you know, a good yeah. start. So you're not alone in that, though. Well, nobody is. No. Well, I, Tanner Lee. I mean, I, I thought he'd be good. So does that count? Uh. Yeah, I, the one that's tough for me is yeah. We got a lawnmower going there. Uh, this, this podcast is being shoehorned, so appreciate it, damn you. Appreciate it. Um, Johnny Stanton was the one that I was convinced was going to take off, but yeah. that didn't happen. I kind of like the lawnmower in the background, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Brings it a homey feel. <laughs> It'll be good for the people that are already mowing. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, we're real loud today. Like, wow, that lawnmower's in stereo today. Yeah. Well, got any other banter? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't really have much of anything. Um, did you guys enjoy your long weekend? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. You Uh, shot a 32 on the front. Yeah. What I come to understand. 15 footer for birdie on nine to make the turn at 32. No, I get a, I was playing at Shoreline Golf Course in Carter Lake Mm -hmm. and, uh, we played terribly, but the course was all backed up and this kid and this dad, I'm sure they're not listeners. Um, we'll find out. Well, if I hope they are, because they kept shooting, they kept hitting off the tee into us when we were just waiting for the group in front of us. I mean, there were like three occasions, and finally, I I don't know. We let them move ahead of us just for our own safety at that point. Um, but I was thinking it might come to blows there on shoreline. You didn't ever just think to like blade a three iron right back at them, send it back. Yeah, I did think about that. Or just picking up the golf ball and putting it in my pocket. Either one of those options was considered. The decorum of golfers is at its worst on a slow weekend play. Yeah, but just, like, accept it. You know, it's slow. It's slow for us. It's slow for you. Wait and have conversation with your son. You know, you're only going to be together so long in this world. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just trying to speed through it. Have these people not watched Field of Dreams? I mean, they need to they need to cherish those moments together. Is, is that the cats in the cradle? You know that song? I mean, that that whole thing. Did you say that to them? You're like, <laughs> spend some time together because he's gonna die someday. <laughs> yeah, maybe soon. If if I hit this golf ball back <laughs> at his head, well, this took an interesting turn. 
I, I wasn't expecting cats in the cradle. Are, and... this, this is kind of an old man take, but are you guys comfortable with the proliferation of Bluetooth speakers on golf courses these days? Yes. You okay with it? Yeah, don't care. It doesn't bother me, but I also am not likely to get the full effect of the yeah, that's true. The speakers, so no, I, it's I know where you're going with it, um, because in golf league, it's you can get it two ways. You have the the older group of men that are very against the the speaker, and then the the other way where it's like, all right, you can you can rein it in a little bit here. It, it's weird what some people have for their playlists or golf music, though. I've come across some random stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's I I hate them. Like there's a, a that doesn't surprise me. There's anymore. a tournament I play in every summer, and it's like very split on guys that have the Bluetooth speaker, and then the older guys, and apparently me who don't, uh, and hate them. And so there's like this very like subtle generational battle going on in this tournament between the upstart whippersnappers and the the old mm-hmm. guys my Which, friend josh does it he puts on like tupac too so yeah. i mean he just goes yeah. all the way with it but when someone is just listening to like a pandora mix and all of a sudden like christina aguilera genie in a bottle is going and it's kind of like what the hell happened here i don't know that seems enjoyable to me <laughs> <laughs> We discover another CD that is in Brian's. Yeah. Uh, See, that just like totally tr- it turns me into Judge Smales. I was gonna make that joke. Like I, yeah. There's no Bluetooth speakers at Bushwood Country Club, sir. Yeah. I could hear any song from 1996 to about 2004, and probably be like, "Yeah, that's okay," just because that was like the wheelhouse years of my life, you know. Anything before or after, it's kind of eh. no. Well, I'll accept good songs but i'll accept average songs or worse than average songs from that era like i could hear that is a fascinating way to put it now i'm wondering if i do the same you probably do like when you're in high school don't you think you probably a song from your high school years wouldn't you say you probably elevate it when you hear it on the radio because you remember like going to school and you're in Mm -hmm. such a good mood and your life had such opportunity at that point and now look at you you're in the basement while lawnmower plays talking with two yokels (laughs) Getting yelled at for Kevin Gladney. Yeah, see, you didn't make, you didn't anticipate this when you were seventeen. What what how old were you? What year was it when you were seventeen? That's what I'm trying to ask. Two thousand five. Oh, what well, what was like the hit song? Like, well, when, I guess two thousand four. Okay, what was 17. like the song when you were moving into the dorms that was like the song? Uh, Justin Timberlake, I think, had just released sexy back okay at that point it was a big deal mine was a limp biscuit uh nookie had just come out (laughs) and no joke that like that week we were moving in in there (laughs) it was uh everywhere like in the door like everybody was showing how loud their speakers could play and shram and nookie was all over the place i don't i don't remember like one doesn't stand out to me like circa 2002 I, i don't know why but I don't know. Those were the days when I think was it Tonyu Finotti was still around and he was like playing his ukulele down in the little square in Harper Shram Smith. It was very pleasant. That's all I got on that. The way way back machine. Yeah, <laughs> it was good to us. That's today. a that's a good one to pivot forward on. I feel like. Yeah. 
Well, let's let us pivot into uh, less than pleasant news. Nebraska's loses another scholarship player. I don't. Know. I mean, maybe you consider it pleasant. I don't know. But Nebraska linebacker Willie Hampton announced his intention to transfer and seek academic and athletic opportunities elsewhere, dropping the inside linebacker room down to four scholarship players and Jacob Winemaster, which things could get hairy and they don't, you know, you're, you're one injury away from Avery Roberts playing a little bit bigger of a role than what Barrett Rude might've imagined when he talked about Roberts this off season and, it certainly opens things up to an interesting recruiting context before the upcoming 2018 season. You need Dedrick Young, who's been relatively healthy throughout his career to, to remain as such. And you got to cobble together um, Will Honus and, and Mo Berry and see how that goes. I'll ask the question that I asked last week after Andrew Ward. I mean, it, it feels a little thin, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, definitely now. It didn't so much... At the time, but I guess I also knew that Hampton was leaving, so it should have. Uh, but now that it's final, Ward is a, the more surprising of the two to me. Uh, I thought that he was a little bit better of a fit, but Hampton, I, I never felt like should have ended up at Nebraska when they made the transition to the 3-4, but that explains just how weird things were in January of 2017 uh, when Nebraska mostly – got its class put together and totally transitions to a new defense to spin it to spin it back to the last recruiting class we all thought will honus was huge when they got him but i mean it just like doubles or triples that now yeah i mean when you think about it uh i mean it is it's a little scary if it's one of those deals where if, if everybody stays relatively healthy there's not a problem i mean they've got they've got three guys i think you feel pretty good about you're not nobody's gonna act like they're all big 10 or anything at this point they got a long ways to go in that respect and will honus as much as he's appeared in our headlines and other people's headlines i think he's still got some room to go um just kind of reading between the lines i think they've thought he was he's been solid but anybody who just thought he was gonna show up and just be this the guy right off the bat without having to really fight for it no, that's not that's not how it works. I mean, as I always say, even Levante David, he probably should have been on the field right away, but he wasn't. So that that's sometimes how it goes. It takes a little while. It's interesting with that 17 class, they finished ranked 23 in the country um, for that year, and you've already lost Keyshawn Johnson Jr. from that class, um, Andrew Ward, Ben Miles. Uh, you, you also lose Hampton. Elijah Blades never made it. Deontay Watts never made it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a small class anyways. And it's, you know, looking at that class, there's a couple guys that I see I probably have a pretty long way to go before they're going to contribute too. So that, that when you kind of start looking at that over the course of time, I mean, that that's where you start having depth issues. Who are the hits so far from that class? Who's Brennan like, and Hymas. Okay. Hymas, uh that class was Lindsey, Avery Roberts, Tristan Jebbia, McQuitty, uh, Hymas, DeAndre Thomas, uh, Sick Thomas is a hit. Guy Thomas, Damian Daniels, Raftall, Allen, who both I think are going to have a role this year, uh, Brock Bando, Chris Walker's transition to defense, uh, Jalen Bradley's the other one in that class. I think 
Weirdly, it'll be a solid group of contributors and then a whole lot of non-factors. Whereas, you know, sometimes you kind of don't have that core of contributors. The problem is going to be it's going to be a very small group, I think. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, if if Tristan isn't the quarterback, then, you know, he might be a contributor as a backup depending on what his career plans are. You got the two tight ends, I think Jalen Bradley, Javion McQuitty, Damian Daniels all strike me as people that can contribute. I think Matt Sichterman uh, will be a contributing offensive lineman. I don't know about Brock Bando. I'm not entirely sure where he's going to fit into the scheme of things um, with Nebraska at the moment. But I, I think that group, I mean, it's thinning, but I, I still think you're going to get some value out of it, especially, I mean, if it produces a four-year starter or a tackle, that's going to be a, a huge deal. And if Hyman progresses as we think that he could, he'd be a, a really good lineman. But we said the same thing about Nick Gates. So we can't just assume that guys are going to get better in – large amounts each year going forward man that mower just like came we got the blower now too How is it, that? you're getting the whole uh the whole experience yeah the whole mowing experience you're gonna have clean walkways that's important yeah. it is nice that somebody comes and takes care of your in-town acreage so that's true that's true so you don't have to yep you might tell them to work around our schedule a little yeah bit well th- this isn't his normal day so <laughs> that's all i got talking about that class from uh, 2017, I, I wrote about some of the redshirt freshmen who seem like they're going to contribute. And the four I came up with were what Jebby obviously could be the starter. Um, and then Allen and Raftall, I think, are definitely going to play. They have to play. They're probably the second and third guys at tight end. But Damian Daniels was the guy in that class probably right now who interests me as much as anybody. I don't know if this year necessarily you're going to see it all, but I think – of when you talk about young players who have to have that great development year, you know, where they're ready to be something special starting next year for you, I think that's it for Damian Daniels. So I'm hoping for his sake it works out where there's some decent health in front of him where he doesn't feel like he has to have this great weight on his shoulders this year. He can play a collection of snaps and just get better, and then next year you, you go into a much bigger workload. Yeah, I mean, next year he's the guy. Yeah, he's got to I mean, so if if that class, if we're looking at it in three years and Damian Daniels is like that dude in the middle of your defense and he's a all-conference guy and a couple of those other guys go, then you'll say, yeah, it was okay. But they, they do have to hit a high batting average now for all the guys they've lost. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've already got – you only would have a max of 14 guys that are going to contribute in that class right now, which yeah. – um, yeah, I mean, you're like, you know, I, I can see McQuitty having a pretty good year this year. I, I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to use a lot, assuming he can stay healthy and he's back to close to 100%. But uh, it's, it's it's a little thin. Yeah, right I should now. have mentioned him too. Yeah, now I'm feeling bad I didn't mention him. I just thought of him. Yeah, it's all right. Can't mention everybody. No, I mean in the story the other day. I'm, I'm beating myself up over oh. it now. Onward. Well. We must go onward. <laughs> we march on. Well, as we march on, do we have anything else we want to add about Willie Hampton? I mean, from a recruiting perspective, I think it's very interesting because it opens out that inside linebacker room, if you would, for somebody like Nick Heinrich that Nebraska is recruiting very heavily here and would uh, like to have as part of their future at inside linebacker. 
it basically sets it up that you can pitch a kid like that who I think is is in need of a red shirt more than likely just to kind of physically be in the best possible shape when he were to get on the field. If he were to come and then red shirt a year, essentially everything in front of him would be gone. Mo Berry would be graduated, Will Honus would be graduated, Avery Roberts, if he's still around, would be, you know, a, a senior at that point. Uh, and that sets it up really well for an individual that wants to play inside linebacker, whoever that is. And so it's a good sales pitch that, that Barrett Rude will have. It's a good pitch that Nebraska is going to make to to Nick Heinrich. And they're going to make it to other people too. I mean, they made it to Lakia Henry, who is the softest of soft commits with Tennessee. I don't think that one's over yet by any means. I don't necessarily know if Nebraska ends up with them. But I do think that they have a, a good opportunity to sell, whether it's a junior college linebacker, whether it's somebody like Heinrich, whether it's it's some of these other guys that they really like. They've made 13 offers already for inside linebackers. That doesn't include athletes who can fit into that spot. Garrett Snodgrass strikes me as somebody that's going to be an inside linebacker. So I think overall that group, it it's going to be one that we maybe didn't project coming into the class that is going to be a big part of it. But I, I think you're looking at probably minimum two, at least three guys that could play that spot coming in here in the 2019 class. And I think they're definitely, you know, kind of reshaping it into finding guys that maybe fit a little bit more what they're looking for, more of like a classic inside linebacker. Because with Hampton, I mean, he was essentially a, a rush end in high school. Um, Andrew Ward, a little bit more of an inside backer, but, you know, he'd been moved around too. And, you know, I, I think that was kind of, you know, under Trent Bray, they had to rebuild the linebacker depth a lot. But it never really felt like they had a guy that was guys that were kind of like prototypes at certain linebacker positions. Because you had like Tyron Ferguson, who played defensive end in high school, and he was an outside backer and an inside backer, and he's back to outside. And you know, Colin Miller is kind of the same way, where he's a defensive end, and then he's you know they had him an inside backer, and now he's an outside backer. So I think if they can kind of find guys that are a little bit more set up to those positions, rather than kind of moving them around, because I feel like that hurt development for a lot of those guys too. That's interesting though, because it sort of flies into what they've been doing, which is almost positionless football. Like I, I think if you look at Nick Heinrich, I mean, he fits the body build of your, your bigger inside linebacker, but Lakia Henry doesn't necessarily. And so I, I think that they, you know, I, I first and foremost, probably looking for instincts and explosiveness on the inside. And then, you know, if those guys can run and help you in coverage and they have a frame that you can put the weight on, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's going to be a prototype of, of that inside linebacker spot until I actually see them recruit it for a couple years, but you're right. I mean, Nebraska was sort of a Island of misfit toys as they were trying to figure out the linebacker spot. And some of that was because they were constantly sort of tinkering with what exactly those linebackers were supposed to be doing that they never quite found what they needed. And, I have a little less doubt with this staff that I think they're a little bit more black and white as to what they're looking for, which is odd because it's also the same staff that, you know, guys aren't going to have locked in positions either. So uh, elsewhere in the recruiting front, Nebraska is hosting more visitors seemingly every day. Uh, They had a, a visitor in from Independence College 
who previously played at Virginia Military Institute, both football and basketball, which I found kind of interesting. Uh, I can't pronounce the first name, so I'm just going to go with Deng. Deng uh, was or is a six foot six, two hundred and forty pound linebacker, defensive end product from the same school as Jermaine Johnson. I think Nebraska has some legitimate interest, but they wanted to at least get him up here, look at him, uh, start that relationship. I don't think there's probably an offer that's going to happen immediately, but he's someone they'll be keeping an eye on. And, and schools have already started to offer him. I think he's got New Mexico Temple and somebody else at this point. But Nebraska's done a nice job of, of getting visitors in and, and keeping the, the machine going, and even in this part of the slow season. And that's going to pick up more here as they get the opportunity to go out for satellite camps and then host camps of their own. And so we'll be seeing more and more recruits on campus and uh, seeing what they have to say about Nebraska. Do you anticipate a group of summer, like a a total group of summer visitors similar to what we saw under Mike Riley with the staff? I have no idea. I I really don't. I mean, I – we didn't see a spring game like we saw under Mike Riley, but then again, we didn't see that spring game until year two either. And year one of Friday Night Lights, the most notable people were Brian Hightower and Keyshawn Johnson and Cameron Jurgens. So I, I think that it's unlikely that we see sort of a massive crop of of targets and recruits because I don't know how it'll be established. There's questions with the lighting in the stadium, if they're even going to be able to use the stadium, which then kind of takes the fan base out of it. And so then I don't know how the event's going to be. And so it's harder for me to say that they're going to have a large group of visitors, but I think they're just going to have this matriculation of people coming from the beginning of the month through the end of the month into to see Nebraska. And, you know, whether it's it's – quarterbacks or wide receivers or whoever. I mean, they, they've got people, you know, here at the end of the week, uh, Jamie Nance from Oklahoma, athlete, most likely a wide receiver in Nebraska's offense, very good track individual, ran a, what, 10 meter at one point this year, took second in the 100 and the 200 in Oklahoma, and won the long jump, I believe, with 23 feet. So he's got some explosiveness to him. He's coming in for a visit. He'll be here this week. They've got some other guys set to come out next week. I mean, I just think even if there isn't that big group that we knew from Friday Night Lights, they're going to have a pretty good grouping if you just looked at it month by month. Did you know I won the sixth grade long jump championship in my elementary school? That's true. Really? Yeah. How far did you jump? I was just thinking about that when you were talking about the long jump and how I probably missed out on career opportunities with it. Did, I mean, nobody, nobody really. I think you I into faulted. Pursuing. I think I faulted and probably was not caught because it was pretty lenient judging. But it probably led nicely, and I mean, you can see where that explosiveness transitioned easily to the basketball court. <laughs> you can. It did translate to different sports for me in high school. That's true, but. Uh, so I know what you're talking about when you're talking about guys with the good long jump yeah. and that explosiveness and the box jump because that was all kind of me in the elementary school. Do you think it? A lot of box jumps. <laughs> Do you think the one sport where maybe it didn't help you enough would have been soccer? I mean, 
that's why I played soccer because I kind of wanted that challenge where maybe it didn't translate you. as much. You were, you were the rare <laughs> two-sport spring athlete. Should have been. Could have been. Wasn't. Got to go play baseball now. <laughs> Finish my practice. There, There's a sport where the long jump would help you the least is baseball. Yeah, that's true. There, there's no applicable... I wonder what Bartolo Colon's long jump is. Uh, less than his long ball, which he has, uh, he has more career home runs than most. So there's that. I, I don't know where to go. With well, I'll tell you where you can right go. We're, we're, doing, we're starting a series. This is good. Most indispensable Huskers. We made a top 20, and last night we... We each voted without looking at each other's, and then we added up the points, and it's going to start today. We're going to start with 20 and work our way to one about who's most indispensable. And this this isn't who the best player is necessarily. Certainly the talent factors into that, but you're talking about talent plus what is the depth at the position that player plays. So basically, if somebody limps off the field in fall camp or during the second week of the season – how much are your, is the fan base saying, oh, crap? You know, that's basically what we're asking. So we are going to name off kind of like our 20 through 16 individually. Okay. If you are prepared. I am. What would your – well, go through your 20 through 16. Bruce. All right. So my 20 through 16, uh, def- number 20 is bef- defensive end Ben Stilley. 19 is – Freshman quarterback, Adrian Martinez. 18, redshirt freshman quarterback, Tristan Jebbia. That's that's as close as I could get them without, you know, anointing one or the other the starter, although I I may have by just a nose. You've named Jebbia the starter. That's what it appears that I've done. Uh, 17, safety Antonio Reed. And 16, senior offensive guard, Gerald Foster. Hmm. You, you're welcome to quibble if you'd like. Well, I think I have all of those people other than Adrian <laughs> Martinez in my list. So if I was going to quibble with one, it would be Martinez. Um, I don't know if he could be on a most indispensable list when he's never played before. He can. That's how indispensable he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would, I would, I would quibble with that a little bit. But I have people that haven't played for Nebraska before on my list too. So yeah, we have Greg Bell pretty high. Yeah, we won't give that away, but consensus makes for great podcasting. I have to say. Well, I'm sure that there will be somebody in this group that you could you could pick on. Well, I okay. said prior to us being on air, I have a lot of faith in Ben Stilley. I don't know what it, I just I thought like <laughs> I think 20 is too low. I think I, I'll get to where I had him probably next podcast, but next podcast not like three down the line. Like no, he's not like top five okay. yet. I mean, he hasn't earned that status. But I, I mean, basically, the reason you could put them lower, though, I understand it, is because you could say that even though they're not a great group right now from what they've done, they do have a lot of guys on the defensive line that could like well, free. That's why I didn't really feel compelled to rank that many of them. Right, and so I get that because you could say freedom. I mean, freedom might start over Stilly. And I don't know if Freedom is he's not on our list. We Yeah, I like I Brunts mentioned it and I did the same where I thought about it and I thought like where he would fit in the grouping of players and he's just he was outside the twenty. I just I just said I'm gonna bet that he has a really good season and 
still he does. Yeah. But uh, go ahead, Schaefer. What's your what was your twenty through sixteen? My twenty is cornerback uh, Lamar Jackson Jr. Nineteen quarterback Tristan Jebbia, redshirt freshman. Eighteen wide receiver Tyjon Lindsey, sophomore. Seventeen wide receiver Mike Williams. Mm. Oh, sophomore. Sophomore or junior. Mike Williams is a junior. Junior. Sixteen Antonio Reed. Yeah, I <clears throat> I didn't have Reed on my list, but I can totally see it. I think if either him or Aaron Williams goes down, we all think if Aaron it Williams sort of goes depends down, on like problem, but. in a weird way, it depends on like JoJo Dome. Yes, because if he is is pretty good and healthy, and the player that was expected to be last spring before he got hurt, he could be a guy that you know steps in, and all of a sudden you're even better on defense. Like if if, if he's upside is as good as it seems it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you you got a pretty good thing with Reed and Williams. You kind of want to leave that be, I would imagine. But I I think Reed intrigues me because i'm wondering if there's things that they can do with him um moving him around the box if he could be a bit of a monster i mean he's got a really intriguing profile i think that he has the athleticism that he can help them out in other ways and just kind of sitting back there as a safety he's kind of always been a guy where i wondered if you can get more out of him than Mm -hmm. what the previous staff did yeah people don't forget about Antonio Reed in part because he doesn't do a lot of interviews and this is an unfortunate thing that happens where if a guy doesn't talk a lot he just you know people don't write about him as much and so he's just not in in conversation as much in the offseason and all that and then it always feels like right when he's about to take off something happens like he's injured there's been an injury or something has kind of crept up but even when he arrived here I remember his freshman year he was like kind of known for like being a little too, almost too physical during practice and he would hit guys when they weren't supposed to hit and I I think coaches actually kind of liked it, you know, but uh he started a fight one the one year in a bowl yeah. practice that was pretty came out later. Um so he's got a little edge to him which you, I think this staff could build around. He's kind of the when you're talking about like positionless players. I mean he's obviously safety but a guy you could use in a number of yeah. roles. It was interesting. I was just going through our lists, and there was one that was one person that was left off of all three of our lists. Who I he had kind of slipped my mind. I don't know about you guys, but can I guess? Well, I think you're going to guess it, but I I think he kind of in my mind is similar to Antonio Reed. Well, I, <laughs> I think I got the guess. Then, right. Go ahead. Are you talking about Deontay Williams? No, I was going to say Breon Dixon. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I left Breon Dixon off specifically because I don't know if he's going to have that defined of a role. Um, in part because I – and I also left off Colin Miller and Tyron Ferguson for the same reason, is that the only one of those outside linebackers that I really, really kind of felt has something is Luke Gifford. And he didn't even practice this spring, so that's a leap of faith in my part. But Dixon is kind of interesting in how he could be used. But I just I wonder if there's so much talk about him because he's a transfer player and he's getting this waiver that we haven't already just seen him be elevated before he really even kind of has a role. So a transfer player that comes in with a lot of hype? 
I mean, yeah, I know it's a story as old time, but um, part of that is due to the fact that now he can play right away. Right. And, I mean, I I thought he had a fine spring game. I don't recall it, like, you know, being sort of the defensive version of Adrian Martinez by any means. Uh, and that doesn't mean he, he can't be a very helpful, important player. I just, until I know or see, you know, enough of what he's going to do in a game, it's really hard to put him on a list like this. I thought you were going with Deontay Williams because of his versatility. It seems like he could be nickelback safety or corner at any given time, but at the same place as, as Dixon, I just I don't know what that role is going to be, and until I do, it's hard to rank them. I went with Nebraska me. making these lists hard. I went with Reed, and, and I almost left him off the list, but I I started looking at you know what's behind Aaron Williams and Antonio Reed in that secondary. There's not a lot proven there, like at all. I mean, talk about Doman coming off of a knee injury, Deontay Williams transferring in. You know, is he a safety? Is he a corner? Is he a nickelback? It's you know, is a guy like Cam Jones? Is he even going to be able to play this year and help right away? I think he's got. BC a chance. says emphatically yes. I no, I don't. <laughs> Maybe I like him. I think I like I that. I don't want to wake you up a little bit. <laughs> I like he's a little cocky. That's, that's a comfortable chair, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of just like <laughs> you look comfortable. A little so, post lunch. I mean, there's snooze. a reason that I do this stuff sometimes, and that was why. Be like. There was a guy who was a the Houston Texans beat writer was on a radio show like last year or something, and he fell asleep before they came back to him, and you could hear him snoring. And I always I always think that could happen to me. Like, have you ever been like waiting to do something like that, and you almost fell asleep? I have. You have? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. I have actually. So that's impressive. But anyway, we should have let him fall asleep. Yeah. Markel Dismuke, I think, is interesting at safety. Oh yeah. I I think they uh I think they kind of like him. And I liked him too last year. It was it was funny trying to evaluate like who's might be promising last season amid that crap show. But there were a few guys where you thought, "Well, he's not terrible, you know, and like he's still playing hard." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like Colin Miller's that guy, still he's that guy. I thought Mark Heldesmuke, if you're to name off young guys who <laughs> Boodle, who Schaefer and I are big Boodle fans, have Boodle posters that are Yeah house as life we'll get, size we'll get to later so you got a boodle fathead i do <laughs> my uh 20 was moberry uh because of the, what we talked about middle linebacker concerns you could have put hone it i don't know who's gonna win that job i don't i mean we'll see what happens in the camp but moberry to me has at least played at this level so i give him the edge right now colin miller 19 just because i really think he could be the starting outside backer now you could make the argument against putting him on a list like this because of what we're saying, where you have, you have like Alex Davis, you know, who's started five games, and uh, Breon Dixon. So there are guys they could plug in there, but I think Colin Miller could really elevate. So this is a real leap of faith list, as you said, more so than any other of these lists I remember in the past, where you're just kind of guessing on guys a little yeah. bit what they're gonna be. And uh, 18 was Jack Stoll. I feel real comfortable with him. I like the guys behind him, though. Like, I like their p- possibilities with Austin Allen and Raftall. So it's not like the end of the world if Jack Stoll's gone. But there was clearly separation, according to Sean Becton, between him and the other guys. So I think he belongs on there. Lamar Jackson, 17, just simply because they're really thin at corner. 
16, Tristan Jebbia, and you could make an argument you don't need a quarterback on this list because if one goes down, you play the other guy. But I do think if either Jebbia or Martinez goes down, it's suddenly a little bit of a panic and bubble wrap around the other guy and this whole thing that goes on. So I the reason I ranked Jebbia, and this might be... And you didn't rank Martinez. Yeah, this might yeah. be the dumbest... Feel free to mock the the reasoning behind this. I'm awake and ready. If one of the two were to get hurt, I think it's a bigger deal if it was Jebbia that gets hurt. Because if... I'm trying to figure out how the best way to explain this. What are you trying to say, Mike? Yeah. I'm basically... <laughs> thank you. Both of you. I basically just feel like if, if Jebbia gets hurt, that robs you of either your starter or your backup. If Martinez gets hurt, it robs you of the potential of your starter. Maybe, but we don't know if they could also potentially redshirt him too. So it's like a... He has like one extra option, if that makes sense, mm. on the board. And also, if he were to get hurt, he could just redshirt, and he would get the gear back. So there's that element. I kind of get where you're going with that. Like, I, I just do think you that think if he, you, do you if think you think transition he plays this from no Tristan Jebbia and you just have Bunch and Martinez, that board looks scarier to me for some reason than if you go. No Martinez, and you have Jebbia and Bunch. Like I, I think there's more element for randomness, both mm-hmm. good and bad, without Tristan. Je- like I just think yeah. Jebbia is a floor that is higher than Martinez. Maybe that's the way to to put it at the moment. Yeah. The ceiling, I think, is lower. But if if you you had to have one, you're steadier. Where's the fan? Well, in the middle. <laughs> it's a weird weird deal. Do, do you think that Martinez will play this year? I mean, I do. I do think that he will. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the starting quarterback by the end of the year. But I, every option is on the board to me because I could see it where none of these guys impress to the point where you're cycling through them trying to figure out who's giving you a spark. Uh, I could see it where Tristan gets the first opportunity and – is a steady captain of the ship and putting Nebraska in position for playmakers to be successful. They're able to put points on the board and you don't need to go to Adrian Martinez this first year or you don't want to. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, there's so much variance that the quarterback thing is really hard. It, it probably would have been easiest for me to leave him off the list and not rank any of them. The only thing that's always funny to me in the quarterback discussion, like if – if Tristan Jebbius wins the starting job, there's always kind of this like, well, yeah, then you can let Adrian can come in next year or whatever. Well, Tristan Jebbius is not going to have those plans. If he, I mean, if he's a starting quarterback as a redshirt freshman, he's thinking, yeah. I'm going to hold this job for four years. And he might be, what if he is pretty good like this year? Like, what if he yeah. wins the job? So I always am kind of amused when there's this like, well, what you do here is you, you start Jebbia, you let Martinez grow. Adrian Martinez doesn't want that because the last thing you want to do in business or sports or anything give somebody an is advantage. let the other guy get a chance to show he can do it well. And so both of those guys are, I'm sure, thinking they're in the exact same spot. Like, I got to win this job now, and I want to be the guy who has the chance to show it first, you know? Yeah. 
I, I consider not ranking any quarterbacks. And for similar reasons to you, we're like, if, if kind of going by that ah crap factor, like, I don't feel like there's a huge drop off necessarily. Like, let's say Martinez starts and gets hurt or Jebius starts and gets hurt. Like, I, I honestly just threw those guys in there, whichever one came to mind first. I didn't have like a reason for doing it. Like, whereas at other positions where let's say, you know, like Matt Farniak goes down as your starting right tackle, then the ah crap factor to me is much higher. And mm-hmm. that's why you'll see Farniak higher on my list later on. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we can say it because this will be on the site by the time this goes up. But Jebby is going to be on there and Martinez didn't quite make it by like a point or so in yeah. our voting, but it it was basically a toss-up to all of us, I think is the way yeah. to say it. But, I mean, Mario Verduzco, there's, we had a story on him over the weekend, and the, my takeaway from that is for everybody that thinks they've got it all figured out, like this is how it's going to be because we watched one practice, I, I don't get that feeling at all. It's It's – I mean, that playbook test that they took Saturday, which is a four-hour-long deal, that's significant to Mario because it shows, I mean, that shows, do you actually know or are you guessing? And so, I mean, if one of those guys scored like an 87 and the other guy scored a 68, the guy who scored an 87 is, I got to think, walking around with an advantage heading into the summer and fall. What was the, the format of the test? Is it like a Scantron? Like I was, I was thinking about this during the story. Like, <laughs> does Vedral have to I should take have the asked test that. too? I think so. Does Vedral get a different version of the test? The, or is like, it the same test? He's, he's not like be, taking AP beginner's level. I I think it's all the same. So Vedral should do better in theory. He's got a lot of that's some pressure on you yeah. if you're Vedral. You know, to walk. I if you're not a good test taker, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. No, nope. were you not a good test taker? You uh, can just roll out. I had my share test. of tests in college. Do you ever have this experience where you're taking the test and you're like, look at one question, you're like, well, I don't know that one. I'll go to the next one, you know. And you're kind of hope, you're kind of thinking, oh, I'll get a few that I know, and you just keep going and going, <laughs> and suddenly you're on page four and you've answered like two questions out of twenty three. I've been there. Yeah, my experience in college is I'm taking a test and I don't entirely know what's going on, and the voice in my head is like, "Why the hell am I here? Yeah, what what is this? What am I doing? I don't need to know these geography patterns. This is not important. I had a you didn't need that geography to get to where you are right now. I had a history of jazz test. I had to take to. I think I needed either history of jazz or history of rock for some reason to help me, and. I admittedly wasn't really dialed into it and didn't study hard. And I went into that test and realized when I sat down, I was in real trouble taking this history of jazz test. And it was kind of embarrassing. And I kind of guessed my way through it. And I got 46 out of 50 or something. It was one of the more like incredible, like how that happened moments of my life. Would you say that ranks higher or lower than sixth grade long jump champion? Um... Which was more improbable? Yeah, where did you like <laughs> probably the history of your PR? Probably the history of jazz, um, because our elementary school n- didn't have anybody who ended up being like a stud. Oh, okay. Now, June. If you went to elementary school with Brian, apparently you didn't. Well, I did go much. to second yeah. grade because we in Omaha. You got moved out. They like to. I was in West Omaha, but they would send you to Lothrop, which was in North Omaha. 
for second grade. I don't know why that was all set up that way, but they would get you bussed out there. And in second grade, I was at school with Taylor Gaiman, who was on the Husker roster. Do you know of him? He went to Omaha Northwest, like early 2000s. And uh, I raced him on a on the gravel one day. I think he beat me. I was a pretty fast kid, but he he beat me and ended up being a good player. Or he started he, as a freshman. He got his opportunity based on that. That he was able to just kind of point to coaches. Look, I beat. I guarantee you, Taylor Gaiman does not think a second about that he raced me in second grade but i think about that i raced him <laughs> that's the way that worked amazing that's how much better of an athlete he was he didn't think about that but i i, I got nothing you didn't race anybody like, like no. pat ricketts or anything no judd davies <laughs> rolled me over in the hallway one day at miller north and they used to do the senior stampede that was that was about as close to athletic greatness as I came. I hope people realize that this is all like a joke from me. I wasn't a good at like a good athlete. This is all. You humor. don't need to. We don't need this. <laughs> yeah, don't, fake don't, 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 don't mess with it. it for us. All right, yeah. I just want to be. You just be you. Well, it's a it's a joke. I I have a dry <laughs> humor. I'm not. I was not a good athlete. <laughs> I was an okay athlete. Oh. I played varsity soccer. That's all. All right. Well. I think we've run out of things to discuss. Yeah. Brunts, you got something? No, I'm good. You made a face. No. I... <laughs> was, I was that just... like a thank God this is over face? No, I was just thinking back to... Get these jerks out of my house face? I was just thinking back to when Judd Davies just plowed over a bunch of us freshmen one day. It was bad. What? You were... I was, I was a freshman. He was a senior. You were playing football? No. This was like, they used to do like a senior stampede <laughs> oh. thing through the Miller North hallway. The disbelief in his voice. <laughs> I well. I, w- I was not a 130-pound freshman standing in there trying to tackle Judd Davies. You could have gotten him to the ground. No way. I mean, maybe. Did you interview Fred Petito a few times, though, for the hoofbeat? I did. I would have had to have like taken like a steel pipe to Judd Davies' knee to get him on the ground, and even that probably wouldn't have done it. It's a lot of uh, a lot of Judd Davies love right here. Yeah. My my brother played for Fred Petito, and one time I was on some radio show, and my uh, Fred Petito called my brother in, and uh, this I think he'd be fine with me telling this story, and, and he told my brother, "Hey, I heard your brother on the radio." My brother's like, "Oh yeah," and Fred Petito's like, "Yeah, that's 15 minutes of my life I'll never get back." <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how people feel right now. Yeah, I don't know how long this podcast is, but they might want to refund. <laughs> 46 minutes. They're starting Jeez. to question. All right, we're 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 getting out of this. Brian, do you have a song for the week? Uh, I have something. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Ad, this is uh, Ad Rock. It's the name of the rapper. And the song is called Ch- Ch- Check It Out. That's what it's called, Ch- Ch- Check It Out. And he says, believe me. Or, excuse me, he says, believe when I say I'm no better than you, except when I rap, so I guess it ain't true. That's all. That was the one that was in front of me, so I went with it. I was really hoping for some push a T. Isn't that the thing that's going on right the now? The best part of that song is that it's called Chicheck It. C H hyphen check it. Well, I'm glad there's a best part of the song. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I speak for all of us when when I say that. Well, that's it. Nobody, that's it. nobody has anything else. Just get us out. We. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. No, it was good. The podcast. <laughs>
I'd be interested to hear how the lawnmower contributed to it. Loudly. Yeah. Loudly. That might be the best part, some people think. So. All right. Well, be sure to stop by Nebraska.247sports.com. Check out everything that Husker 24-7 has to offer. Uh, I'm Mike Schaefer, along with Michael Brunts and Brian Christofferson. We will catch you next week with the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.